Hey everyone, welcome in to another episode of Real Sports Talk by Naraj. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Uh, with some good sporting events over the weekend, football games, a lot of NBA free agency news. Um, I'll be getting into that a little bit later uh, this week. I do want to start off by talking about college football in week 12 and a little bit about the UFC and over the week what we saw from two uh, exceptional fighters um, that continue to um, make headlines and and really impress um, in the sport. So I'll get into all that in a little bit. So college football week 12 took place and what a week it was for college football. I mean, despite some of the postponements and games and cancellations, um, we were able to have some decent games played on Saturday. And some teams just started to really uh, show why they can make it in the top six, top five of, of the country. And the Heisman race has definitely, uh, definitely changed a lot over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, remains to be seen how well do the top four teams continue to do and fare against the competition because we know that there is going to be those games coming up possibly in the conference championship games that will decide a lot of the seeding uh, for the college football playoffs so in week 12 Ohio State uh, beat Indiana 42 to 35 this was the number nine ranked team uh, Indiana number nine ranked team in the country against number three Ohio State and you know this was probably one of the best games Ohio State had on their schedule to be honest up to this point because we know that Indiana have been playing well they and had beaten Michigan um, I think they had beaten Michigan State uh, they were on a roll pretty much and, and playing well uh, in the Big Ten and so this game was really interesting for a lot of different reasons Ohio State won yes but the style of victory the way they won um, you wonder you know if that will change anything in terms of their standing in the college football playoffs probably won't, won't change it a lot because you know they are still undefeated and they've obviously played a number of games so far um, but you know, they led most of this game, and then, you know, Indiana rallied and rallied, and I mean, Indiana had a chance at the end, I think, to tie the game. They weren't able to convert that or something like that. So, for the most part, you know, you saw Ohio State be dominant early on, but then they didn't, like, totally crush the competition. They gave up some points, and Justin Fields, who usually doesn't have this many interceptions. I mean, he had two touchdowns and three interceptions. You don't really see that from Justin Fields. Um, very promising young quarterback. Um, and he's going to have a good future in the NFL. And yes, you throw interceptions, but you know some of them came at a point where you felt like the play calling was a little bit too like you know aggressive. You know, it's good to be pass happy. It's good to be pass happy at times, but you want to keep the balance. And I think that Ohio State kind of got away from that in the second half, which is why Indiana 
was able to rally in this game and at least make it interesting. Um, but nonetheless, Ohio State, you know, came out on top and, you know, they seem to be set on just making it. Um, the biggest challenge for Ohio State left, I think, is that whoever they face in the Big Ten, it comes down to that. They've got to win whoever in the Big Ten championship game, you know, whoever they play, um, that is their ticket. That is their way, their path to the college football um, playoffs. Whether either with a loss or a win, the way they look in that Big Ten championship game later on, um, that will be very key for their hopes for making it to the college football playoffs. And I know they want to make it back because of the way things ended last year and how they looked. I mean, they played well against Clemson last year, but weren't, weren't able to convert in the late situation. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they respond. Um, if they get it back to the college football playoffs. Now, it was a wild week 12 because, you know, I had talked about Wisconsin and how they had gone through so much with the cases and stuff and having a game now. And, you know, they played against North, you know, Northwestern on the road. And I was very surprised by Wisconsin only putting up seven points against Northwestern. Northwestern... All of a sudden, um, with old school kind of football, running the game, running the football, just like Wisconsin, and playing good defense, they were able to to win this game and upset Wisconsin. And I think Wisconsin's playoffs hopes took a huge hit because you know they seemed like the team that had the best shot to face Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game, and now it seems like it's up, it's you know up up in the air, like it could be either Wisconsin or it could be Northwestern. And Northwestern. Um, you know, they've been to the top 10 now. They seem to have a good team that's a little bit experienced. Um, they did play well. They used the formula that Wisconsin used a lot, uh, you know, last season is being dominant in terms of the running game and being able to just uh, get stops and force turn, um, force key, you know, key decisions. And it worked out well, I would say, for... Um, Northwestern. They came out. They imposed their style. Wisconsin really struggled to move the ball. Didn't convert a lot of third down opportunities. And you know, if that happens, then you know it's very hard to win. So give Northwestern credit for pulling off the upset. I mean, they look pretty good in doing so, and I think they um, can make some noise possibly if they keep on winning at this clip. It remains to be seen how well they do that because, like I said, the Big Ten. They need somebody to come out of there and look good. And Ohio State, they are the ones who are the best team in that that conference and that you know entire conference. And you know, it's about who's a worthy challenger for Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. And it seems like it could be Northwestern, maybe uh, Wisconsin, maybe. But their chances of making it did uh, drop a little bit after this loss so something to watch out for going forward in the Big Ten Conference. Cincinnati Bearcats, the number seven team ranked in the country, they won their toughest test I believe of the season um, at US, you know, University of Central Florida. They had to rally in this game to beat uh, you know, Florida, University of Central Florida and you know, give Cincinnati credit, I mean they rally, they look good in doing so. Um, it was a tough game. They did look a little sloppy early on with some miscues and special teams and not getting enough stops. But their defense really rallied well. And, you know, they have to keep their momentum going because 
they need it. They're going to have finished undefeated. Going to run the table, which means they have to go undefeated, and they have a you know a great shot in making the postseason in my mind. They really do. Um, I think their best chance, although, is still having a top four team lose. But I was very impressed by Cincinnati because they could have easily lost that game yesterday. You know, they got behind 14-3. to And, you know, at some points in the game, you felt like UCF had control of the game. I mean, they were just playing at a much better pace. Um, they were getting key stops and key, um, key things done, you know. And I think that they proved themselves really, really well in the game. And I was impressed by their overall effort. I mean, it's all about effort for, for these for these teams, these players. And Cincinnati, like I said, they, they are proving themselves really, really well. They're worthy of being considered. Um, and they, they do need help getting to the college football playoffs. But uh, they if they keep on winning their games, they're supposed to win the rest of the way. And if they win their conference title game, which may be against... You know, UCF again. I think I like their chances to make the college football playoffs. Is it? It'll be hard to, keep, to leave an undefeated team off the college football playoffs, but it possibly could happen. It could happen, um, and that's where the discussion and debate gets interesting. Is that let's say you know Notre Dame loses, and B- and let's say BYU or Cincinnati finish undefeated, who do you leave out? <laughs> In that scenario, which is really interesting how how it work out. Speaking about um, BYU, I mean they've been pretty impressive um, as well. Zach Wilson has led them. Um, they're emerging as a top team now in the top seven in the country. They've won their last four games by a combined of 155 points, so they definitely have the offense to do it, and they will need help to get into the top five, but promising uh, play from both sides of the ball for BYU, and they are coming. They are definitely coming in the standings for sure. Um, so I was really impressed by that. But Cincinnati, BYU, uh, they have a small chance to make some noise, but they need a lot of help, and they need some teams in front of them to fall. And one of those teams that I think is going to keep playing well is Florida. Florida has had a great amount of success every single week. They've won games consistently in a variety of ways. Um, and I like their chances, actually. If they get a chance to play Alabama later on, possibly, then they may be able to, to do something. Their quarterback, Kyler, um, I think Kyler Task or Tasker, um, <laughs> I might be getting his name wrong, but... Um, yeah, Trask, sorry. He, he's playing really well. He's in the Heisman race right now. I mean, his touchdown to interception ratio is amazing. Florida's been playing some dominant defense on the road. And they're looking like a team that can challenge Alabama if they get to that point. So I like their chances. And, you know, something to watch out for as they play more and more uh, conference games. As for Alabama, they've been dominant on both sides of the ball. I mean, they're playing at an incredible pace. They're pretty much beat up on a lot of SEC competition. Um, they haven't had to have a meaningful game, I think, to be honest. Like, it's maybe they had one game that were they, they were a little bit struggling, but other than that, they've looked pretty dominant. 
And they are the favorites right now because they have a team that is just playing really well on both sides of the ball. I mean, Nick Saban's doing a tremendous job. Question is, can they keep all this momentum and pace and success in the playoffs? That's what I'm looking looking at because you know you can start strong, but can you can you keep it together in the playoffs in a pressure pack situation? We've seen it many times. Some team goes undefeated uh, or gets close to be undefeated, and then they have a one. Uh, then they go go one and done. And I feel like Alabama, they played well. But I worry, you know, when they get to the college football playoffs, and, you know, they're, they'll be tested then. Right now, they're not being tested as much, and that will hopefully change because you want to see the top teams in the country um, get it going, obviously. Now, Clemson wasn't able to play this week because of a positive, you know, a positive test um, on their football team. You really hope that they just get back on the field. And Trevor Lawrence, the biggest thing is, you know, he's been off for a couple of weeks now getting healed up you just hope that he doesn't have too much rust on you know in terms of getting back on the field and and playing well because they need to win all their games Clemson has to win all their games going forward or else they're not gonna make the, make the playoffs they have to win every game from now on and I think that when they, when they get back on the field and they're clear to play it'll be very, very important for Clemson to look dominant uh, and bounce back from the loss they had against Notre Dame the prior week um, ago so that will be important for Clemson to do because if they don't end up winning their games that they have to win, then BYU, Texas A&M, Florida um, will be there um, rising up in the, in the rankings for the college football playoffs. So now I wanted to talk about the UFC and some of the really good action that took place over the weekend. Two guys um, that have really been impressive and in terms of their style and their stories um, in the octagon and rising up to be in these fights. It's truly uh, special and I mean, the UFC fighters and all MMA fighters, you know, they have their own kind of uh, path and journey in terms of what it takes to prepare themselves for these, you know, physical fights involving kicks and punches and so many other things that you know, most people probably wouldn't even realize about it. Um, but two guys, um, I'm really impressed uh, this past weekend and continue to uh, rise in their own way. Uh, one would be Joaquin Buckley and the other um, is Devison uh, Figueroa. These two guys have obviously uh, been dominant and impressive in their career so far. I would say that you know Joaquin Buckley he is a little bit more, um, you know, new to this environment than, you know, Figueredo is in terms of fights and they both obviously compete in different, um, you know, there's a flyweight, a heavyweight, and a middleweight uh, thing for UFC, different different weight classes and stuff. So I think that 
you know, they obviously both have their own unique style. But in terms of what um, Yokan, Walken Buckley, you know, I'm gonna say Walken Buckley because that's the way you're supposed to say it. I could say Jokin or that, but I'm gonna say Walken Buckley, which is the pronunciation of the name. Uh, he's truly a remarkable fighter. Uh, he's only 26 years old, and he did win this past, you know, Saturday, improving his record to 12 and 3 as a fighter. Eight of his fights that he has had are have been techno um, knockouts. So he's very definitely a knockout artist, and you know he definitely has what it takes to even compete at you know the next level, possibly, uh, depending on what he wants to do in terms of fights and weight class and all that. But he's truly a remarkable guy. He had a sensational uh, victory on October 10, in which he had a second round knockout of uh, Impa. Kasangana. It was an impressive leg kick that he had, which went really viral, um, you know, on the internet. It was a really impressive job by him in terms of just landing that kick, and you know, the rest is history as he won that fight. So, you know, in terms of Watkins Buckley's, uh, you know, background, you know, he is from St. Louis, Missouri, and you know, he started his career competing in local championships local championships and he worked his way up to compete in more UFC events uh, he you know he challenged himself in terms of pushing himself to be on the equal level of these guys um, in the UFC and that's what a lot of these fighters do most people think that you need to have the you know strength and all that sure you do but you gotta have the the work ethic to be great at your sport, and I think uh, Watkins Buckley's uh, rise to the top so far is because he's able to he's able to you know put in the work, and he's seen it at different levels now, where you know he's earned his opportunity, he's earned every single opportunity he's gotten to him, and you gotta have the confidence and the swagger to be a good fighter, and he seems to have that. And it was well on display after his victory this past Saturday. So I look at him and, you know, UFC middleweight. Uh, really a good job in terms of preparing for fights. He's very hardworking. Uh, and, you know, he's been able to battle through adversity in terms of getting over the hump. The biggest thing with Joaquin Buckley was that he couldn't get over the hump. He couldn't win those big fights that he should have won. And that's what kind of slow his career down is that you go through a period where you kind of have a good series of fights and you have this one big fight and it seems like he you know he had a fight uh, you know he had a couple of close fights in which he lost um, that he could have won but you know it didn't go that way for him and so you know this past Saturday for him was a big victory um, in terms of getting himself in position to finally get over the hump get a big knockout win uh, against a really a quality opponent I, I would say in, in Impa so you know Buckley came through and uh, really impressed this past weekend I think he has much more to prove obviously going forward as he gets more I look at you know walking Buckley and in terms of like his path in terms of a lot of UFC fighters I mean you got to give credit to Dana White um, he's a good job of organizing things and getting UFC fighters to come to, I think, the, uh, the Fight Island thing that he's created. 
So, you know, he deserves a lot of credit for getting these guys in position. But I look at Walking Buckley and what he proved in this last fight that he did. I think a lot was being said about him in terms of not being more than just a knockout guy. And I think in this pre- you know, previous fight here on Saturday, I think he showed some really good um, progress in terms of being a power hitter, a power puncher. And, you know, you just want to see these guys be successful, do well. And, you know, I look at, you know, Joaquin Buckley and I think the most important thing is that, you know, he continues to improve, he continues to uh, take on the challenges, not be afraid of anything. And I think in this fight, you know, he was really good, got over the hump with a big victory. Um, And I think he continued to do well um, as he moves up um, into more and more uh, uh, fights uh, coming up. One thing that I really found impressive about him is that he's very good at multitasking a lot of things. I mean, he is actually, you know, someone who works um, you know, outside of the UFC. He doesn't spend all his time training and doing all those things. I mean, he, he does that to a, a big extent, but he also works as an assistant manager uh, for Walgreens. So, you know, seeing that and how he's, you know, having that balance of, like, working as a manager... And then competing in the UFC for fights and stuff like that. It's pretty remarkable what he's been able to do. And I mean, he has like a business like kind of approach. His mindset, things that I've read about him, uh, read about him and talked about him, he seems to just enjoy the uh, approach and the way that he prepares for something. So, you know, he got a victory, but he didn't, you know, celebrate it like in a big, big way. Um, he did it to a certain extent, but he's ready for the next person coming in to you know, fight him. So that mentality is important in the UFC, and I think he'll have a really good career um, with more UFC fights in the middleweight division. So now I'll get into a little bit about the flyweight champion, um, Divison Figueredo. He's 32 years old, and he's had a remarkable career um, up to this point. You know, really just doing a good job of winning fights and, and being consistent in his effort and his ability to deliver in the big moments. And he is 20-1 record-wise, you know, and he's had a remarkable story. I think he defeated Alex Perez this past uh, Saturday uh, with a submission kind of hold. So, and it was a pretty quick one, I believe, as well. So, you know, he's obviously um, mastered a lot of, of skills and experience throughout his career. And it was a pretty dominant victory he had. So a little bit about uh, Divison Figueredo. He grew up in Brazil. And I think the biggest thing uh, in watching him and kind of uh, you know, reading more about him and seeing his highlights, he's very determined. And he's got a style of fighting that's pretty incredible. Um, you know, he enjoys taking on the challenges um, that people count him out against or... He enjoys just being in the spotlight, but in, in, in a way in which he, he earns that spotlight. And he backs up the words that he talks about. Um, he's very hardworking and has the approach of being the best fighter that he can to be able to work in a lot of different areas, to be a good fighter. And it comes, you know, it comes down to just having the motive and the, the, the passion to do so. And... You see that throughout a lot of the sports I've talked about, some of the athletes who've risen up um, to become great stars in their sport. Uh, you know, Divison Figueredo 
It's exactly like that. He's someone who has worked his way. He's earned his due. Um, and he's respected and appreciated for a reason. And one of the reasons why he's appreciated so much is because he's been able to constantly show up and be there um, and give his best effort. You know, he he puts forth that effort that you want to see in a fighter. And growing in Brazil, in which, you know, he really had to work his way up, just like Wakan Buckley, um, to, to be at the top of his form, getting his body right for a lot of different things in the flyweight uh, division. It's truly remarkable. So, you know, in terms of, you know, he uh, pushed himself, he fought in regional promotions in Brazil to gain experience um, and also get financial income. You know, he really wanted to fulfill his dreams of coming to the UFC and being being here to fight and do those things. And, you know, he fought in many regional uh, promotions and, you know, he gained a lot of experience along the way. Uh, he worked in a, he worked a variety of jobs and that's what I find most uh, remarkable and inspiring about him is that he kept trying to find something to do. You know, he kept trying to stay engaged and we see that more and more sport athletes are trying to get involved in other aspects of their, of their life. They're not only focusing on one thing, they want to do other things. They want to be able to create a foundation create um, some kind of fundraiser and they're using their platform to do something else I've talked about it many times throughout my podcast of how athletes have used their platform more so than ever to be to bring attention and awareness to people and society and you know I look at Devison Figueredo and he's doing the same thing you know he's trying to work his way up and, and make sure that he doesn't forget his roots now, he worked a variety of jobs that were somewhere, you know, from the thing of, you know, just being, you know, someone building houses and construction, being a security guard, um, being a chef, uh, I think a sushi, a sushi chef. And so, you know, he worked all these variety of jobs to accomplish his dream of being, being the UFC. He wanted to, com- to be, uh, you know, financially sound in terms of making that jump, being able to work his way up, get the experience, and find a way to get into UFC um, and get a tryout, which he did. And from there, his career really took off. As I said, his record speaks for himself, 20-1 and one as a fighter. And along his journey and his path throughout those jobs and through his experience in Brazil, you know, he made many friendships, many connections that put him right in the center of the UFC. And giving him a chance was the best thing that Dana White um, you know, expected to do, and uh, and it was truly remarkable to see him, you know, keep working his way up and earn all opportunities. You know, he he had the dream of being a UFC fighter, and he wanted to accomplish that, so he didn't mind doing these small kind of jobs and working his way, working his time. He wanted to do all these things because he knew what he wanted to do. He was very passionate about fighting at an early age, as far as I've read and, and seen, and see him now be like really dominant and be talked about truly truly special and this is what athletes uh, are trying to do and I think in, in any any kind of situation any kind of life um, that these athletes have um, they do have something outside of their sport and that does shape their personality who they are and their experiences make them even more better and so 
you know, he started out wanting to be a UFC fighter. He had the passion. He didn't know the path that he would take to get there. But once he found his, you know, found his ground, then he really took off and did a remarkable job and making it come true in a lot of different ways. And now the attention that he is getting, the respect that he is getting is well earned. And like I said, many of the people that I've talked about uh, throughout my podcast, they all had a unique journey. They started small, but they made it big. And it took some adversity, some challenges, but they never wavered on their, their, their dream, their focus. They kept trying to find ways to accomplish it. And Wokan Buckley and Davison, Davison uh, Figueredo, they both are, are examples of that. And they continue to do a great job in the UFC. And I'm sure they'll be even talked about more so um, in the year to come um, in the UFC. So, um, with that being said, tomorrow I will be talking about week 11 and recapping all of the NFL action and games. Uh, My takeaways from this week in the NFL as it concludes with the Rams at the Buccaneers tonight. So, I'll be going over my takeaways and points from those games. And then I'll get into about the NBA free agency period and what we saw in terms of the signings and which teams really uh, stood out and which teams um, made some questionable decisions um, as the NBA season is slowly arriving with training camp set to start December 1. So I'll be back with an episode tomorrow uh, with the NFL uh, Week 11 games and my reaction to that and then the NBA free agency period. Now we are heading towards Thanksgiving and Black Friday and all those things so we'll be doing episodes till Wednesday and then I'll be taking a little break probably and hope to get back to uh, talking about even more things in more complete fashion the following week. <laughs>